Thank you for joining us today for the Gospel Light Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Lenentine. We are a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, gospel-centered church family located in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. We are motivated to love God, grow together, and serve others. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. Now we hope you enjoy today's message from Pastor Brent Lenentine. starting a new series for five weeks starting here this morning and what a wonderful wonderful topic that it is our hope our hope of heaven and I want to say that that hope is is sure uh, not based on just uh, wishful thinking if you would but rather upon the rich blessings and promises of God it's our second service this morning we have one at 940 and preach this very same message and now just the privilege to be able to look at it here also and so we'll be talking as we get started with this now about our hope of heaven. This begins now really for us at the end of this church age and then the event that is called the rapture. And so uh, this morning now in this service, Brother Donald Pooler was leading the music and did such a great job. Uh, but, uh, but Mark Lenentine, Mark and his wife Lacey were actually gone on a trip to Washington, D.C. Uh, they take the juniors and seniors, so every two years... Uh, they'll go every other year, but it was a better way to say it. Uh, they'll go and many times to Washington, D.C. or to some other place. Uh, but what a wonderful trip for them to be there right now in Washington, D.C. So many amazing things to be able to see in our nation's history. Uh, many of the government uh, buildings are not open, but still they're enjoying just touring around and seeing so many different wonderful things. One of the great sights that you'd see there in Washington, D.C., is what will be called the Library of Congress. The Library of Congress is truly a wonderful and amazing building. Uh, it has a huge volume of books there that tell about uh, the beginning of our nation's history. It tells about uh, books that are written by our founding fathers. It tells about governments uh, gone by and uh, some strengths and weaknesses of those governments. But interestingly enough, one of the other things that it tells us, one of the other types of books that it has in the Library of Congress are books uh, of Christian history and different writings. Uh, one of the indications of that that we have is a plaque that is actually mounted on the wall inside the uh, Library of Congress. If you can't quite read that, this is what it says. It says, one God, one law, one element, and one far-off divine act to which the whole creation moves. And it's really amazing, again, that our forefathers and very early on in our nation's history that they looked at this as so important and such a great hope. It makes that statement in there and says that there's one far off but very divine event, something that God is going to do. And this divine event that it's speaking about, all of creation, all the nations of the world are all moving towards that. This divine event that they're talking about is the rapture of the church. And truly amazing. But our forefathers understood that really the only hope that we had as a nation was the rapture of the church. Let's be honest and say that in every, in every democracy, more specifically for us, a constitutional republic, and what happens is, is that freedoms are granted uh, you know, of the people, you know, by the people, and for the people. But at the same time, we would understand that there are always selfish and 
uh, people and bad actors. And what they want to do, obviously, is to try to be able to insert themselves and to be able to take away freedoms that have been granted to us by God and freedoms that have been awarded to us. But even in the midst of all of that, nothing can take away this, as it says, a far-off divine act that all of us in this room are moving closer to because that rapture is a very, very real thing. And so as we get into this series now about our hope of heaven, we'll begin it again, as we said here, of the rapture because we have many important and precious promises from the word of God. And as we go forward, as we begin here with the rapture, we're told then uh, about this that is called the blessed hope. In Titus 2, in verse number 13, it says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now that blessed hope is an amazing thing because it takes the believer to such a beautiful and a wonderful place. First Corinthians 2 and verse number 9 describes it this way. And it says that it's written that I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered in the hearts of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. To say it very simply this way, that heaven is more beautiful, more amazing than anything you've ever seen, anything that you will ever hear of, heaven is more than all of that. And so this rapture then takes us to that place. And so what we're going to do is look at one of the most amazing texts in the Bible that teaches us about the rapture. So turn, if you would, now to 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. You'll be able to see that there on the screen, just to reference it in order to find that place. If you have your Bible, if you're looking at maybe on your phone in one of the uh, scripture apps uh, on your phone, or just want you to listen, if you would, if you don't have that Bible, I don't want you to feel awkward about that at all, but you listen as we just read this very carefully, okay? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and then starting in verse number 13, the Bible says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Now, it means here to be uninformed or unknowing about something that's important. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. This is God's word. It's God's promise. Amen. Again, this is not fairy tale. It's not fictitious. This is not wishful thinking. This is God's word. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then it makes a statement, and it says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so in your bulletin now, you'll have four points. There will be one word that's missing. I want to encourage you, if you would, just to jot that word as we go through. And hopefully, it'll just remind you about some truths that we saw from the Word of God uh, here. I will not be long. we got food waiting for us outside, but I shouldn't have said that, but focus, focus, all right? Years ago when we started the church, we were on the east end of the plaza where Sally Boy's Pizza is, and actually they've uh, now closed that out. But um, uh, So we would be 
uh, there was Sally Boy's Pizza, and then at that time, the unit was the whole east end of that. And so I'd be preaching on Sunday morning, we'd get right into this time, and I would just get really good into my first point, and then the smell and the aroma of them firing up the ovens and cooking the pizza would start to come through the wall. And so I'd lose people very quickly, right? And so hopefully you won't smell anything out there, because I don't want to lose you, because this is so important. But uh, it tells us now about this thing of the rapture. First off, let me just say that it is specifically, this promise that we're going to see is the hope of those who are born again. It is the hope of those who are born again. Now, that terminology comes when Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee and one that was a teacher of the law. And he came to Jesus by night and he kind of complimented him and said, Jesus, we know that you're a great teacher. But Jesus responded right back to him and he said, you must be born again. In fact, he summarizes that in John 3 and verse number 7, where Jesus said, Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Now that was a shock to Nicodemus, because no doubt he thought, I can go to heaven by being a good person. I can go to heaven by my good works. No doubt he thought that. He was working towards that. And yet I want to say that Jesus said that nobody will go to heaven unless there's been a specific time where you believed on Jesus Christ receiving him as your personal savior and when you are born again and so there's a physical birth i was born 19 august 30th 1961 i say the august 30th part just so you can remember to send me a card or something like that and so <laughs> i would say that also because this august i'll be 60 years old which is crazy crazy but anyway anyway so get back on track so when i was born on that day it was a physical birth it placed me into the Lenentine family. My dad, Al, my mother, Pat, uh, and they're my physical parents, and it placed me into the physical family. Now, that makes me part of the human race, but that is not sufficient to get you to heaven. There must be a time where by faith in Jesus Christ, knowing you're a sinner, you ask God to forgive you, and then receive Christ as your Savior, you are born again. A second birth, a physical birth, but there must be a spiritual birth or you cannot go to heaven. Now what's so interesting about that is that this is the qualification that leads us in. Let's look at this if we would. It tells us here first, it tells us the last part of verse number 13. It tells us uh, here, so we'll find it, that there is, for those that are not saved, it says specifically that there is no hope. But if you are saved, uh, then there is this hope, this sure promise from God. We don't want to miss that. Whatever this is, we don't want to miss that. Now, there are many that have not missed that before because twice here it uses the word asleep, all right? Asleep. Now, that could be the description of the average church on a Sunday morning service, amen? That they're asleep, right? Or many of them are. That could be a description. But here specifically, it's talking about those who are saved, who are born again. They believed on Jesus Christ and they're saved, but they have already died. They've already passed into eternity before Jesus comes again. And here's the promise, and that is, it doesn't matter if you've already passed into eternity or if you're alive when Jesus Christ comes again, if you're saved, you're going to heaven. If you're saved, you're going to have a glorified body. So what happens is, is the Bible says for those that have passed already, that this earthly sin-cursed body drops back down to the earth again. We're made from the dust of the earth, and this body goes back to the dust again, but our soul and our spirit, which are God's, 
The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the very moment that a saved person passes from this earth, their soul and their spirit go into the presence of the Lord. Now here's how you're saved. Let's see it real quick. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and then in verse number 14, the Bible says, for if we believe that Jesus did what now? Die. If we believe that Jesus died. Now let's be real honest for a moment. It is not significant at all that Jesus died. In fact, every prophet, every person who founded some other religion, guess what is universally true about every one of them? They died. In fact, every person on planet Earth, short of being here living in this world, guess what happened to them? They've all died. It's appointed unto man once the die and after this the judgment, right? So it's a universal thing. Nothing unique about that. But listen to me now. The next phrase is singularly unique. It belongs to one person and that's Jesus. Amen? And so it tells us in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and did what now? Rose again. Let's say it. And did what now? Rose again. What makes Jesus different than every other prophet in the world? What makes Jesus different than any other person that people might trust in? What's different is, is that Jesus took upon him the sin of the whole world. He died for our sin, paying for that sin, and then he rose again from the dead. Amen? He died and he rose again. Now hold your place there. And I want you to turn back to 1 Corinthians 15. What we're going to see here is what the Bible defines for us as the gospel. The gospel. And I want us to see this from the Bible because this is very important. Listen to me now. There are some different religions that use a very broad term for the gospel. Basically, they mean anything in the Bible. We're going to read the gospel. Could be anything from Genesis could to Revelation, just anything in the Bible. Some people more narrowly might mean the gospel as the New Testament. Some people might mean the gospel as Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. But listen to me now. This, this message for the New Testament church today that we're a part of, the gospel is singularly the message of what Jesus did that defines for us how to be saved. Romans chapter 1, 16, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Let's not miss the gospel, amen? So what is the gospel? In 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 1. 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the, what now? The gospel. I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received in wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. Look at verse number 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ, Jesus, died for our, what now? sins according to the scriptures. The Bible foretold that he would suffer, that he would be a suffering savior, that he would die for our sins. Isaiah 53 says that he would bear the iniquity of us all. In verse number four it says this, and that he was buried, look what it says, and that he what now? Rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You can turn back to where we are in First Thessalonians chapter four. What's the gospel? The gospel is this, that Jesus died for our sins, bearing our sins in our place, just like the Bible said that he would do. And that Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb that had never been used before. And he borrowed it because he was only going to use it three days. And then Jesus rose again from the dead. 
And when he rose again from the dead, he declared to all of the world that there is not just a hope so, feel good type of faith or religion, but that there is genuine salvation only through Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can save you. No religion can save you. No denomination can save you. No pastor, preacher, reverend, minister can save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. The only way to heaven, the only one who can save you. So I want us to understand then that our hope then comes for all of those who are born again. Have you been born again? Have you believed on Jesus Christ? Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? I want you to understand that it is a clear and a sure promise for everyone. You don't want to miss what God gives to us. You don't want to miss this because it is just too important. I love this. I love this illustration that I heard years ago. It's an old pastor, and he had actually grown up. He was born in the Depression, but of his memories, he was raised just coming back out of the Depression, the Great Depression. As you'd imagine, it was very, very difficult times. And so he would say that their family was close and they loved God, uh, but it, it was difficult and it was, he, did, he went without a lot of things. There were some times where the meals were very plain and they were very minimal. And so they would always eat together. They would always have supper together as a family. So mother would cook and gather them all together and they would all eat. Afterwards, they all helped to clean up and they would clean up the plates and all of that to get everything washed. But every once in a while, very, very, very infrequently, but every once in a, a while, mother would say, keep your fork. And when that happened, the kids would get so excited because they knew what that meant was we were going to have dessert. And that was a rare treat to be able to get dessert. And so here's what the preacher said. Whenever mama said, keep the fork, you knew the best was yet to come. And what I want you to understand as a believer, listen to me now, the best is yet to come. Amen? Uh, it's only just begun. It's only just started. But it gets better from here. Amen? Uh, because the best is yet to come. So God, in a sense to us, says, child of God, keep the fork because I've got some wonderful things planned for you. Amen? Now here's what it is. It's called the rapture. It's being caught up, if you would. And so we'll see this now. And number two, write this down, if you would, caught up, caught up. The Bible tells us in this passage, in verse 16, and then in verse 17, it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, loud and powerful and commanding. And it says that the Lord, that Jesus himself, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so this then is what you would call the rapture. The trumpet will sound. I want to say that sometime here on the horizon, and very soon the trumpet is going to sound. I don't know about you, but I've been saved for many, many years. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. Amen? I'm looking for the one who will take me up to heaven to be with him forever and ever. Now, if I go by way of the grave, that's okay because the promise is all the same. But how exciting is it that Jesus will come again? The Bible says that the dead in Christ shall rise first. I believe it's a special honor for those who have already passed in Christ. They were saved uh, and uh, they believed in God. We're looking for Jesus. 
but by way of death they passed already, uh, and their soul and their spirit is present with the Lord. And then what happens is, is that when Jesus comes out, then when he comes out to receive us all up, he brings out with him all of the saved from the time of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection for all those saved all the way forward as he as they come as as he comes out he brings all them with them and then there's a a sound of a trumpet and they from wherever their body was laid in the ground the graves open and that corruptible which is turned back to dust God's not doing a recreation he's just changing it in glory and this bodies then will come and they'll receive a glorified body that will happen and then the Bible says that when that trumpet sounds that we will be gone literally as it speaks to us about in that twinkling of an eye that we will be caught up to be with the Lord they someone had measured a twinkling of an eye and what the what the time frame of that is and they said something like one thousandth of a second and, and I can't relate to that that doesn't make sense to me but I heard somebody else describe it this way and this does make sense to me and that is that a, that a twinkling of an eye is the amount of time that elapses in New York City from the time that the light turns green until the people behind you start honking so that's a twinkling of an eye. Imagine that's really fast, amen? And it just happens like an instantane. All of those taxi cab drivers, I've ridden with them, and they are crazy, amen? Uh, I told one guy one time, I got an extra tip for you. If you get me to uh, the airport on time so that I don't miss my flight. He drove on the sidewalks. He drove everywhere. Getting me there. It was crazy, amen? Uh, but uh, anyway, they are pretty aggressive drivers. But the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, but here's the word we want us to see. It says that we'll be caught up. In verse number 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, caught up. Now the Latin word is by the word by which we derive the word rapture. The word rapture is a word in the English language that is very unique for this very specific event. If you were to, if you were to Google or if you were to duck, duck, go, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, rapture, then it's going to come up. It is going to tell you then that this is the snatching away, the carrying away of God's people when Jesus comes again. It is, as described again, is our blessed hope. That thing that we are looking forward to and what a glorious time. And so there will be a time, again, where the trumpet will sound and all of those that were saved will be taken up to be with the Lord. Now, the word rapture, the word caught up here means this specifically. It means to seize, to grab a hold of. It means to seize. It means to catch up. It means to pluck. It means to pull. It means to take by force if necessary. This event is so wonderful and so glorious that a loving God of heaven says none of my children are going to miss out on this. We're all going, amen? And I thought about this. I thought, here's a family. They're going to go on vacation. Here's mom and dad. they got five kids, let's say. They've been talking about it. They've been planning for it. They're all going to go on vacation. So on that morning, mom and dad have been packing the car and everything. And then they announce to the kids, all five kids, they say, it's time for us to go on vacation, get in the car. So four of those kids all run out and they bail into the minivan. But there's one kid there that's not moving. He, he's got his video controller in his hand and he's playing and everything. They're like, come on, it's time to go on vacation. We're going on vacation, come on. And he's playing with his video game. And the truth of the matter is, is he's not real keen on going on vacation because he's pretty sure that he can't go without his video game for five days. He's pretty sure he can't do that, right? Going to have some withdrawals. He's going to start shaking if he doesn't have it or whatever. So he's playing there. It's like, I'm just going to play my game. 
Listen to me now. Let's figure this out. Here's a loving family, and they've saved for this vacation, and four of the kids are in the car to leave. Do you think they're just going to leave and leave that one kid there? You know what dad's going to do? He's going to be loving about it, but he's going to come over. He's going to take the controller, pull it away. He's going to take him by the arm, and he is going to lead them to the minivan because we're going on vacation. Now listen, that kid thought it's not going to be very cool, but when he got there, he had a great time. And I want to say that there are many people in this world that are holding too tightly to the things of the world. But when the rapture comes, guess what's happening? Every born-again believer is going, amen? Everyone is going. And I want to promise you this, heaven will be more glorious than anything you ever anticipated. And I promise you it will be glorious, amen? Uh, you don't want to miss out on it. And the only way you'd miss out on it is if you're not saved. Because you need to believe on Jesus Christ and to receive him as your personal savior. Now I want to reinforce this rapture. Uh, because I want you to understand, it's, it's, again, it's not a, an old wives' tale. Uh, it's not something that's found only one place in the Bible. It's found many places in the Bible. You could hold your place there. But let's go back, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 15. Now, it, talks, it starts out, we saw already, with the gospel. Then it goes forward from there and it talks about the resurrection. It's so glorious. It says that there's a resurrection, that there's a heavenly body, and that there's an earthly body. And it says that this corruption will take on incorruption, and this mortal shall take on immortality. That means that we'll never die, we'll never grow old, we'll never get sick, we'll never be feeble, we'll never have any kind of disease at all. In heaven, we'll have a glorified body that is not corrupted by sin. That'll be worth it right there, amen? Well, let's look, if we would, in 1 Corinthians 15, because it, it, it ends with this glorious climax, if you would. Uh, but in 1 Corinthians 15, and then in verse number 50, it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, now this I say, brethren, save people, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These physical bodies are not going to go into the presence of God. They're not going to go into heaven. Neither doth corruption that's a sin-cursed body, will inherit incorruption. That's a glorified body. Look what it says in verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. A mystery is something that was, was, was shadowed, if you would, somewhat veiled. A truth that was somewhat veiled in the Old Testament, but now is fully revealed in the New Testament. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. There was a pastor and his wife, they were on vacation and they dropped their little baby off in the nursery of this church that they were visiting. And so the wife was filling all the paperwork and dropping off the baby in the nursery. And the dad, who was a preacher, looked up and on the wall, he saw this and he just started laughing. In this nursery it said, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. <laughs> I thought that's a pretty good theme, right? Because we get all these little babies, you can't make them sleep, but you can at least change them, amen? But this is in the spiritual sense where not all of us are going to die or pass before Jesus comes again. But every saved person is going to have a glorious transformation and receive a glorified body. Verse number 51, and we'll close here. It says, uh, it, it, we'll, we'll finish this passage. It says, behold, uh, I show you, Mr. sleep. we shall all be changed. Verse number 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. It tells us the exact thing of what we saw in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now turn, if you would, 
to Revelation. Revelation in chapter number four. I just want to really reinforce this for us to understand how true and how important this is. Now, the book of Revelation is divided. There's a verse in, in chapter one that tells us the things which thou hast seen, right, the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So the things which thou hast seen is chapter number one. That was John saw Jesus on the island of Patmos, wrote it down. Then the things which are right now today is chapter 2 and chapter 3, which is the church age and the seven churches of Asia Minor. But then chapter 4 begins the hereafter, the end of the church age. In what will be on earth the tribulation period, we'll talk about that next week, some of that, and, and then in heaven. Uh, and what event is it that transitions us or takes us from the end of the church age into the presence of the Lord. What event is that? And so it tells in Revelation 4 and verse number 1. After this, after the end of the church age, after this I looked and behold, a door was open, where now? In heaven. And the first voice, this is from chapter 1, this is Jesus. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a what now? Trumpet talking with me which said, come up hither. And I will show thee things which must be hereafter. That's the rapture. I love some comes that Jesus said in the Bible. Jesus, for example, when Jesus was walking on the water in the midst of the storm, all the disciples were scared to death. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come unto you. And Jesus said, come. And Peter stepped out on the water. Then Lazarus had been dead four days. It was in the tomb. And Jesus said to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of the tomb. And now Jesus will, with, a, with his voice and the sound of a trumpet, say, come up. And every believer will go up to meet Jesus in the air. Amen? In fact, this is what will happen. We'll actually meet him on the clouds. It's wonderful. It's amazing. Jesus actually went up on the clouds, and he will come again. Acts 1 and verse number 11, it says, these angels which said to the disciples, the apostles, which also said, these angels also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand, ye, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And the way that he went up into heaven was that he ascended up on a cloud. And so, again, the trumpet is going to sound. And when that trumpet sounds, uh, all of the dead in Christ already, all of those that were saved have already passed, they're going to come out with Jesus on, a, on the cloud. And then we're going to be taken up. And we'll receive then a glorious transformation. We'll receive a glorified body. Now often it's pictured as those in white robes. And understand that. Uh, but not just in the angel saints. We'll have this robe of righteousness upon us. But just to indicate the fact that Jesus now will come out on the cloud. And he will call all of us up to be with him. Now. The second coming of Christ is in two parts. When Jesus comes for the believers, he will not come down to the earth. He will call us up into the clouds and then we'll be ushered into heaven, that glorious place. Remember we said already in 1 Corinthians that as it is said that I have not seen nor ever heard, neither has entered to the hearts of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And this is what heaven will be. And so Jesus then will call us with that voice of a trumpet. He'll call us to come up. And we, in an instant, will be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll usher us then into heaven 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now listen, listen to me now. This world is difficult and this world is crazy. And the fact of the matter is, I think by most measurements, it's getting crazier, right? Uh, it's not improving yet. And I want to say in all likelihood, it's not going to improve a whole lot because this world is cursed by sin, under the control for the most part of the God of this world or the devil who has control and pulls the strings. Now, God is above all this and God is victorious and we don't have to worry and fret and, and fidget and, and with, all, with anxiety like it's getting worse and worse and what are we going to do and it's bad and it's terrible and it's so bad. Listen, we don't have to get all caught up in the fear and the anxiety of that. We don't have to because I promise you this, that God has all things under control. Look what it says if you're back at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 again. The very last verse in verse 18 says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so I want you to understand that there is comfort in this crazy world. There really is. There's comfort that comes in the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he died and that he rose again. And that he promised that he's going to come again for every believer. That it's too good to miss out on. And he's going to take every believer with him. And he's going to usher us into heaven. So I want you to know that we don't have to worry and fret like it's going to get worse and worse. And what's going to happen? The Bible tells in John 10.10 of Jesus. Jesus said that I've come that you might have life. This is salvation. This is a home in heaven. I've come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. So not only is God concerned about us now in this time. But he's also concerned. Not only concerned about, I'm sorry, heaven to come. But he's also concerned about this time for us right now. To help us and to lead us as we go forward day by day. And so what we need to do is, as Peter found out, to take our eyes off the storm. And to try to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. To look up. I love this verse in Luke 21 and verse 28. Listen, it says, and when these things begin to come to pass, these things are all the craziness of our world getting worse and worse. Natural disasters, people hating and increasing in hate and fighting one another. As all of these things increase, when you see these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Amen? And so I want to say to us that this whole message of the rapture has two very important applications to it. To the believer, it says, listen, it's okay. God has it all figured out. You don't have to worry and fret, but you can rest in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves us, and he's going to help us as we go forward day by day. It is okay. Just trust in Jesus. Amen? Just keep your eyes on him. But I want to say also there's a vitally important message. Listen, and that is that if you're not saved, that you need to get saved or you will be left behind. And you don't want that. You don't want that. You want to go up with all believers and you want to go into heaven. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. If there's anyone here that has not been saved, you've not believed on Jesus Christ and been born again, then today is that day of salvation. You need to, you need to say, be saved. You need to believe on Jesus Christ. Listen, I've been pastoring and doing this work now for some 37 years. Listen to me very clearly. I am not going to heaven because I'm a pastor 
because I try to help people, because I try to do good deeds, I'm going to heaven because I realized that I was a sinner and that only Jesus could save me and I believed on Jesus Christ and I was saved. Now I want to promise you this. This is exactly what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you're a teacher of the law. You're so faithful. You're so dedicated to the Lord's work. But if you are not born again, you're not going to heaven. And this is inclusive of every single person. Nobody is getting in unless they have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. You don't want to put it off. You don't want to say, I'll do it another day. You want to settle that today because it's so important. Hi, this is Brent Lenentine. And before we go, I want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. It is our prayer that today's message has encouraged and helped you. If you have any questions about how to be saved or your Christian walk, we would love to connect with you. Please visit us at gospellightbaptist.org. If you live in the greater Albuquerque area and don't have a church home, we hope that you'll visit with us soon at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Rio Rancho. And if you do have a church home, then I pray that you are able to attend there. Every person needs to be faithful and accountable in a local church where they can grow and serve. This podcast is a supplement to your spiritual growth and let it encourage you to be more for Christ. Again, our website is gospellightbaptist.org. Thank you for listening and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in today. If you are listening for the first time, we believe the most important decision you could ever make is the decision to know Jesus in a personal way. To find out more about that, please visit gospellightbaptist.org slash Jesus. If you are a regular listener, we want to thank you for your time, and we would ask that you subscribe to this podcast, and also take a moment to share it with others on social media. Until next time, may God richly bless you.